Well, welcome to the Remnant Godcast on this very important historic day. It is Wednesday. We appreciate you tuning in the show. So much going on in our world today. Of course, on a lot of people's mind is what's happening in the Middle East. Uh, meanwhile, Israel has a historic election that's going on. Uh, another one. <laughs> we know recently, not only a few months ago, it was uh, Benjamin Netanyahu that was able to eke his way through and win yet again. But this time, uh, it seems like more Arab voters have showed up to the polls. And uh, we're not sure if Benjamin Netanyahu is going to be the winner. Uh, it looks like the Blue and White Party has at least one more seat uh, than the Lakid Party. Lakid Party. So uh, the Lakid Party is... Uh, the one that, of course, uh, Prime Minister ben, Benjamin Netanyahu is part of. So uh, we're going to see what happens. It's still developing. Uh, I thought maybe as we woke up here in the U.S. today that we would have some answers, but it looks like the results are still deadlocked. And, uh, you know, Benny Gantz could very well become the new prime minister if he's able to form a unity government in Israel. Now, Benny Gantz is much more center left. He uh, is not a conservative like uh, Benjamin Netanyahu. So, uh, you know, there's a lot of, at stake, especially when it comes to what's going on in the Middle East. We have to think about the very um, historic relationship that is unprecedented. Uh, definitely a big contrast from President Obama to President Trump, who's had a great relationship with Benjamin Netanyahu. And um, so it's going to be interesting. It's going to be interesting to see uh, I think the U.S. will still maintain very strong relationships with Israel. Of course, they are uh, a, a very staunch ally, one of our staunchest allies in the world. And uh, there is a special relationship between the United States and Israel. In fact, many people don't realize we call Israel the state of Israel. And if you notice that we don't call, when we talk about other countries, the state of Italy or the state of Germany, but we do call Israel the state of Israel. And many people don't understand the backstory behind that. But U.S. policy, and it's been in effect for many, many years, actually looks at Israel as almost, I mean, now I'm not saying it is a state of the United States because it's not, but in, in many ways, and I think many people would agree with this, it is almost like a, uh, a state as far as the way we look at it from a defense agreement standpoint. In fact, President Trump just recently uh, brought up the fact that he would like to solidify a mutual defense agreement with Israel. We already have it, though. I mean, we already have it in place. Uh, most people know that if Israel were to ever be attacked or uh, anything were to happen in the Middle East when it comes to Israel, the United States, of course, would be the big brother uh, that would come to the rescue. And much of Israel's military is uh, populated by U.S. technology and military equipment. Uh, we've sold them some of our most advanced military equipment. Now, there is a contingent in the Christian community, and I want to just speak to this real quick, that uh, is anti-Zionist. And uh, we're seeing this movement grow larger and larger. And in fact, they'll call sometimes people like me a Zionist light, is what they'll say, because I'm not a Zionist, but they'll say I'm a Zionist light because I'm a staunch supporter of Israel. And so let me just address that. Um, and by the way, I mean, I don't, you know, I have many friends that are, outright Zionists. And um, I'm not against Zionists, but you know, I think I need to be cautious in knowing that Israel and their government has many factions, just like here in the United States. So, you know, for me to just say I support everything Israel does, 
I can't say that. Just like I don't support everything the United States does. I have opinions on certain things and certain domestic and foreign policy issues. And I know that there are different factions and different opinions and uh, different viewpoints in Israel. So, you know, I'm going to look at that as far as each issue individually and not just say that I wholeheartedly and, you know, without any type of, um, you know, uh, political discourse support everything Israel does, because that's not true. I don't support everything Israel does as a government, but I do believe that the Bible says to support the Jewish people. I do believe that they are, you know, God's chosen people. And I do believe the church is also, you know, God's people. So, you know, I know there's a theology out there called replacement theology, where it replaces the Jewish people from uh, Christianity and, uh, you know, or actually, I'm sorry, it replaces the Jewish people from being the chosen people, makes the church the chosen people. And, you know, I don't know. I mean, I, the jury's out for me on that. I don't really take a stance either way. I don't believe in replacement theology, but I also don't believe that the Jewish people are the only uh, chosen people of God. I believe that his church is his bride, that he comes back for, a bride without spot nor wrinkle, and that without Jesus, Jesus is the only way to get to the Father is through the Son. So we must accept Jesus as our Lord and Savior in order to be saved, in order to enter into heaven. And that applies to both Jew and Gentile. So I guess you would say it's kind of a middle of a road stance. Some people may not agree with me. Some people are complete replacement theology people where they say the church has replaced Israel. Other people believe staunchly that the Jewish people are God's only chosen people. And uh, they will always be whether they repent or not. I don't believe that. I believe you have to repent, but that God does have a affinity for the, you know, an affection, a, a, a love, a special love, because the Bible says first to the Jew and then to the Gentile. I believe that the Jewish people have been historically and still remain, you know, God's beloved. And Israel is God's beloved. I think that God does protect Israel. I think there's a special relationship with God and the Israeli people, the Jewish people more so, not the Israeli people, because Israel is a country, it's a government. But the Jewish people, uh, you know, come from the tribe of, you know, Judah. And, you know, if you look to Abraham, I mean, not, not, not all from the tribe of Judah, but, you know, Abraham from Isaac. And then you got uh, Ishmael, which are where the Muslim people get their uh, you know, lineage. So it's a very complex matter and I'm not going to get into it today. And you might not fully agree with me, but I think we can kind of agree to disagree in the fact that I do believe that there's favor on people that support Israel because of the fact that, you know, the Bible says that those that support, you know, the Jewish people will be blessed. I do believe that. I really do. I don't think the Bible changes and I don't think that we can just replace that. But I do think that without Jesus, uh, somebody's not saved, whether they're Jewish or not. And they're not going to get to heaven just because they're a good person or because they love God, but they don't accept Jesus. I think you need Messiah. You need Ju Jesus, who is Messiah, in order to enter into heaven. So that's just my personal opinion on it. I've thought over this for many years. I understand the various factions, even within the Christian community. I understand even some of our listeners are going to disagree with me. And I know that some people think that all the world's problems are... You know, it's like uh, the puppet masters of the Jews behind the scenes. And I think that's a dangerous way to look at things. I think that's uh, reminiscent of almost the way the Nazis looked at, at, at the Jewish people. You know, they wanted to exterminate the Jewish people. And we need to be careful not to adopt that stance and think that the Jews are the puppet masters behind the globalists, behind the, you know, shadow government. I don't think that's true. I think there is an elite group of people that are both Jew and Gentile, that are the shadow government, the people that are behind the scenes. There are people that are historically Jewish, like the Rothschilds and others, 
but that doesn't mean that we can paint the Jewish people with a broad brush and say they're behind the globalists or behind the uh, shadow government. I just don't believe that. So anyway, you can write in the comments if you agree or disagree with me. But I think uh, from my personal journey with Jesus, I've noticed that when you support Israel, that when you're, a, you know, you stand with the Jewish people and hope to get them saved. That's our main mission as Christians is to get Jews saved. Uh, and I think that, you know, just like, you know, to get everybody saved, not just Jews. Uh, but if we if we apply the Great Commission, we live it out and we look at people and we say God is not a respecter of persons, meaning that he wants everybody to come to him, to know him, to know Jesus as Messiah, as Lord and Savior. If we look at it like that, um, I think that we can't lose. And I think that that's a good way to look at it, at least personally, that's how I believe. But, you know, just be careful because there are some people that are very anti-Jewish right now in the Christian community. And uh, they're speaking a lot of rhetoric out there and, you know, calling everybody Zionists and all these different things. I think that's a little bit dangerous. I understand. Again, I want to clarify. I do understand that there are some people with Jewish lineage that are, you know, in the shadow government that are part of the elite structure. But I don't think they're the puppet masters. I don't think that they're the person behind the mask or, you know, the Wizard of Oz. I don't think that it's just the Jewish people. I don't think they're the ones controlling the world. Um, I, I've dealt with the Israeli community for many, many years, and there's some very great patriots and people that love God and uh, people that are very kind and that love the United States, that want to see us prosper. And my argument is, you know, what's the other side? So if you're saying that the Jews are bad, if you're saying that, you know, the Zionists are bad, then what's the other side of the coin? That, that means you're aligning yourself with the Muslims. And I would not want to align myself with the Muslims because the Muslims, you know, in their Quran says very blatantly and specifically to kill the infidels. People say, oh, it's not in there. Yes, it is. I've studied the Quran and I know what it says. And it says that they can um, commit, uh, you know, what we would consider war crimes or crimes, beheadings, uh, things like that to infidels. And that is their stance. That is their belief. People say that's just for extreme Muslims. That's not true because it's in the Quran. And I can show you, you know, verses in the Quran where it's pretty explicit and it's pretty scary. And so I would, I would advise you to study, study those verses. If you don't believe me, you can see they're right there for you to see. You could just Google it. Uh, people have put exposés together uh, where they, where they list the verses. And so. You know, we can't align with an antichrist spirit like the Muslims who uh, have an agenda to, again, uh, you know, kill the infidels, to take over the world. That's that they're, they're pushing that agenda. And the globalists, now, if you want to talk about nefarious people, the globalists are using the Muslims to really um, put their plan and their agenda into place. So uh, it's interesting. I, I've never quite understood how the Democrat Party can align themselves with both the homosexual community and the Muslims because if you think about it, they, they can't mix. Uh, the Muslim teaching and their theology is to kill gays, to, to, you know, to throw them off buildings. That's what they do in, in parts of the Middle East, in Islamic states. They literally throw gays off buildings. They, they you know, kill them. Um, and so Christians don't have that stance. We will say that you know, the gay lifestyle is, is a sin, just like adultery and fornication and pornography and many other sins. But we would show love if we are truly being examples of Christ, if we're truly living out the way we should be as Christians, followers of Christ, and living out his word and living out, you know, they will know us by our love. So we're not gonna be sitting here, you know, doing anything harmful to anybody who might be living a homosexual lifestyle. We just want them to be safe, set free, healed, and delivered, just like everybody else, just like me. 
because I needed to be saved, set free, healed and delivered. And, you know, God is still working on areas in my life and he will until the day that I die. I never profess to be perfect or to have it all figured out. But I do believe and align myself with the word of God wholeheartedly and believe that is the way that Jesus is the way, the truth and the life. And he's the only way to get to the father. So that encompassing, it's all encompassing. It's all encompassing when it comes to people of Jewish faith where, you know, you have to have Jesus to be your Messiah in order to get to heaven. But that doesn't mean we're against Jews. In fact, the Bible says, again, bless my people. And I believe that the Jewish people are, in fact, his chosen people, according to the Bible, uh, where he, you know, I mean, the savior of mankind was brought through uh, the the lineage of David, the, the lion in the tribe of Judah, uh, which is of Jewish heritage. So there's something special. God chose that particular lineage for a reason. And um, so, again, I'm not against Muslims. Uh, in fact, I know some very kind Muslims. I know some very uh, pragmatic Muslims, and I believe that they're on their journey. And as they continue to, uh, you know, search for truth, the Bible says, seek and you shall find, knock and the door shall be opened. So I believe as they seek, they will find. And that's what we're praying and believing for everybody, Muslims, Jews, people that are following Buddha, um, you know, anybody, Jesus is the answer, bottom line. You know, so just be careful for, for those. And I have some dear friends that really are anti-Zionist. And I have to say, I, I, you know, I get concerned from some of their teaching because I think that, again, we just need to be careful. We don't want to turn into, you know, following uh, Hitler or the ways of Hitler and start hating Jews or teaching uh, rhetoric or theology that would be anti-Jewish. Um, but we do need to recognize that Christianity is separate from Judaism. Uh, that we do share the Torah and the first five books of the Bible and that we have, I believe, the same God when it comes to the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, whereas Muslims, we don't serve the same God. Uh, I would argue to say that the Jewish God is the same God, but the fact is is that without Jesus, without the Savior, without the, the Lamb that was sacrificed on the cross of Calvary who atoned for our sins and brought us into the new covenant, without that, you're not able to enter heaven. And so that's a very, I mean, some people would consider that a radical stance, but again, that's just what the Bible teaches. I'm just the messenger. And uh, those are the things that I talk about or what the Bible teaches. So anyways, back to the news headlines. Uh, we're praying that uh, God's will be done in Israel. And uh, of course, this could affect a lot of geopolitical matters when it comes to what's going to happen going forward in Israel and in the greater Middle East. Of course, there's a lot of tension there right now. Um, so I want to address some of the tensions. Now, we know recently over the weekend there was a major story. Some people are, are equating it to like a Pearl Harbor event where the Saudi oil fields were bombed by drone missile attacks. And uh, the Houthi rebels uh, who have been fighting in Yemen and a proxy war between Saudi Arabia and Iran, the Houthi rebels are, of course, on the side of Iran. They did claim responsibility. So it's hard for me to say this would be like a false flag event uh, where the deep state, you know, perpetrated the attack. Uh, I know some people feel that way. And it is, you know, I, I did speak on the last broadcast. It is very suspicious that neocon, uh, neoconservatives, the neocons like John Bolton, who want war, who are constantly beating the war drums. John McCain, Lindsey Graham would be considered a neocon. Uh, those people want to bomb Iran bad. They want a war. And uh, they really, really believe that President Trump needs to have a much more staunch stance against Iran. Uh, President Trump did announce today that he uh, just set a fresh, a fresh batch of sanctions against Iran. It looks like that's going to be his response to the latest attack 
uh, on the Saudi oil fields. And I think it's a measured response and I think it's the right response. Um, I would have probably added that maybe special forces here in the United States could go after the Houthi rebels uh, since those are the people that claim responsibility. But here's the thing. We don't really want to be fighting another war. We definitely don't want to, um, you know, enter into another war theater in the Middle East. We, we're still bogged down in the longest war in U.S. history in, Iraq, in uh, Afghanistan. We still have troops in Iraq, not a lot, but we still do. Uh, you know, we're still actively engaged in the Syria theater. Um, you know, it's definitely de-escalated quite a bit, but there still are uh, U.S. troops on the ground in the Middle East and in various places. Uh, and we've also provided a lot of military equipment and arms sales to Saudi Arabia. So they could honestly fight their own battles, and um, they have been with Yemen, and I think there have been U.S. advisors. If you ask me, I would say there probably are U.S. advisors on the ground, but we can't confirm that. Um, but, you know, if you're going to go after anybody militarily in the situation, I would go after the Houthi rebels and go to the source of that and try to end that uh, conflict that's been going on in Yemen. I wouldn't go after Iran because there's just still not enough evidence that's smoking gun to say that Iran was behind the missile attack, not to mention that that would greatly escalate things in the region and we could very well see the U.S. bogged down in another pretty substantial war with Iran. And by the way, I was talking to somebody yesterday who has extensive knowledge of geopolitics in the Middle East, and they were saying to me, you know, we, we have to take into account that any kind of strike on Iran would, would immediately implement a couple of things that could be, um, you know, reaction from the Iranian government um, and their leadership. They could, you know, of course, uh, start a barrage of missile attacks against Israel. Um, they could also, they have sleeper cells right here in the United States. So, um, if you really want to look at what could happen, it could be catastrophic because they could uh, activate those sleeper cells that are here in the United States and we could see terrorist attacks on the homeland. And I think that it would be a little bit different than the wars that we've seen in Iraq and Afghanistan. I think that there would be some collateral damage, at least to some extent, here in the homeland of the United States with these sleeper cells that could be activated. So I think Iran has been, you know, planning this for a long time. They know that the neocons, they know that the deep state want a war. And I think that they have uh, contingency plans in place. And I think that they would activate those contingency plans should the U.S. strike. And so, you know, we've already strike, uh, sh you know, hit Iran several times with uh, computer attacks and malware attacks and some of them have been pretty substantial on their uh, systems in Iran. Uh, I can think of the Stuxnet attack that we uh, implemented a while back, and that you know greatly um, diminished their capability uh, with their nuclear rods. Um, you know, it's very complicated what we did, but the Stuxnet, you know, really disrupted their ability to um, to use weaponized uranium. And um, you know, it's a very complicated matter. I'm not like an expert on it, but I know that we we disabled and diminished their ability to um, to create nuclear weapons, in other words, or we, we set them back with the Stuxnet virus. But um, that's that's been a while now. And um, if you think about what Obama did, think about what President Obama, former President Obama did. He he laid on the tarmac in Iran, was it billions of dollars or something like that? I mean, just insane amount of money. And Iran is literally using that money today. Now, I'm not, I'm not against the people of Iran, by the way. Uh, the people of Iran happen to be some great people. Many of them love the United States, in fact. They're educated. They're smart. 
uh, I think the U.S. has a bad view of Iran because they've always been made to be the boogeyman or to be, uh, you know, our enemy. But that's really the Islamic leadership of Iran and the Ayatollahs and, uh, you know, the, the government that's been in place there for many years. But the people of Iran are not bad people. And I'm sure that they would love to be free from that regime, at least many of them, because it is uh, very dictatorial and very oppressive. And, uh, you know, they've been sanctioned by the U.S. for many, many years. Uh, some of those sanctions were lifted uh, with Obama's Iran deal. But that was one of the worst deals we've ever made. The U.S. really got nothing out of it. Uh, like I said, he, he gave billions of dollars. And he also gave a substantial amount of money to the Palestinians. So we, we saw President Obama and where he stood. And he was not really friendly with Benjamin Netanyahu. In fact, there was some, a couple of hot mic uh, times where the president was caught saying derogatory or negative things about Benjamin Netanyahu. So it's been a night and day difference with uh, President Trump and the relationship with Netanyahu versus Obama, who, again, I mean, me personally, from the evidence and the research that I've done, and this is why I just don't understand how any Christian can support former President Obama. He was very anti-American. Uh, you know, he, I mean, if you think about his, his quote-unquote pastor, Reverend Wright, uh, you know, the, the teaching of Reverend Wright, I mean, alone was very anti-American. Um, President Obama would often, you know, be out of the United States speaking uh, badly about our country, bowing to foreign dictators, you know, giving billions of dollars to enemies of the United States. Um, you know, again, the Iran deal, the worst deal in history, um, you know, of our country. I mean, what do we get out of it? Nothing. Well, we got nothing out of it. And, uh, you know, it, it was a horrible deal. And, um, by the way, Obama and Kerry have been actively engaged in shadow diplomacy. And what I mean by that is, is that they've been working against President Trump and his agenda and the, you know, the America first agenda and the fact that he's trying to make America great again and, uh, you know, have a good deal with Iran, not a bad deal that works against us, but one that makes sense for the United States. And so he's been trying to renegotiate behind the scenes. I believe he's been using diplomatic back channels. And uh, I think that if you were to ask me, I think President Trump has been working for a while with the players in the Middle East and abroad, uh, even people like Putin, uh, to really get a, a good deal in place for not only Syria, but for Iran, for the greater Middle East. And I, I think that that will emerge. In fact, we'll have more clarity and understanding about that as the elections come. I think that there's going to be uh, more uh, transparency as to what's been going on. But I would not be surprised if the president eventually were to meet with the president of Iran or the leadership of Iran, um, just like he's done with Kim Jong-un, uh, you know, and, you know, kind of give them a olive branch, if you will, and de-escalate the situation. And Lindsey Graham came out and there was a tweet that he, I think, said yesterday uh, on Tuesday where he said that it makes us look weak, uh, you know, not to strike Iran. Well, he's a neocon. Remember, th this was the guy that was like best friends with McCain. He lost his buddy and he's had to realign himself in order to, to save his political career. Uh, he did a really good job under the Kavanaugh hearings. In fact, I think that was his you know, shining moment. And a lot of people really said, wow, where's this Lindsey Graham been? But you got to remember, this is the same Lindsey Graham that was best friends with John McCain, who, you know, was a neocon. And um, there was a lot of there there with John McCain that people, a lot of people don't understand uh, where he was involved in, you know, even arming and equipping ISIS and, you know, part of the Arab Spring. And there were some things that, you know, a lot of Americans don't understand about John McCain 
where he was more working in tandem with Hillary Clinton and, and Barack Obama than he was in trying to implement Trump's agenda. In fact, he was very anti-Trump. So uh, it's just interesting as you look at these things play out. You know, people forget sometimes President Trump is really an outsider. He's not really a Republican per se. He's aligned with the Republican Party because they definitely are closer to the values and uh, views that the president you know, stands with. And I think he's really reshaped a lot of the Republican Party. And we're seeing like Tea Party members and patriots rise up in the Republican Party. We're seeing a lot of the neocons and um, you know, the rhinos leave, which is great. And I think there needs to be a purging of the Republican Party to get true conservative values and uh, go back to biblical morals and, and values. I mean, that's, that's where we need to be. Um, so I'm glad that the rhinos and the neocons are showing their true colors and coming out. Let them and let them leave because we need to get more patriots in there and people that are actually willing to support our president and what he's trying to do. Um, but I don't believe that the president is like this major Zionist that's, you know, a puppet for Israel. I don't see that at all. In fact, I don't think our president is a puppet for anybody. He uh, holds his own values. Uh, he tweeted back to Lindsey Graham and said, said uh, no, Lindsey, actually, I'm showing strength in not going to war. And I agree with that. I mean, I think that the president is very strong and he's done a, a great job of navigating through a minefield in the world where the deep state have been actively trying to get us into some type of war. And so for the remaining five minutes of the program today, I just want to explain why the deep state wants to get us into a war, because there's a couple of things that are coming to a head. And one of them is the U.S. dollars hegemony. What I mean by that is, is that we are in trillions of dollars of debt and the fiat system of the uh, petrodollar is coming to an end. Now, does that mean it's going to end this year or next year or five years from now? No one really knows the time. They can stretch this thing out. It could be another 10 years. It could be longer. I don't know. But uh, if I were to hedge a bet on it, which I'm not a betting man, uh, I would say that it's, it's the dollar's days as the global reserve currency are numbered. And so what President Trump is trying to do is bring back jobs and manufacturing, uh, restore our manufacturing base here in the United States so that we don't have such a significant budget deficit. And I've explained that in previous programs. But, you know, if, if he can uh, bring back jobs and manufacturing and the United States can be a net producer again, then if the dollar was to be, you know, depegged as the global reserve currency, and, you know, we were to go into some type of basket of currencies or an SDR, uh, special drawing right from the World Bank system or whatnot, you know, whatever the new currency system will be when they make a new Bretton Woods agreement, you know, a new deal, um, you know, China would love to be the global reserve currency with the yuan. I hope that that does not happen because that would be one of the worst things that could possibly happen to our world and to this century. It would really make China the global superpower because then they could print money like we do and greatly uh, expand their military capabilities and it would just be devastating. We've got to remember China is, you know, they've been set up by the globalists. They've been set up by the deep state. You know, that's where the transfer of power was going. Biggest wealth transfer in the history of the world from west to east. China was being set up and the reason for that, I believe that the globalists and the deep state want China to be the global superpower and to, you know, replace the dollar to replace the petrodollar system as the global standard is because they don't have the constitution and it's the constitution of the united states that stands in the way of their global uh, you know government structure that they want to implement and so they want to take away our rights and we can see that the democrat party is the vehicle uh the muslims are the vehicle in the world that the deep state and the globalists are using to exert their power and to destabilize the world 
And they're doing this in the form of refugee crises, like in the Western world, in the Middle East. They use the Arab Spring to do that. Uh, you know, study some of these things. I can't get into all of it on today's show. Uh, but the refugee caravan situation that they've been doing here in the U.S., that's a destabilizing um, vehicle of the deep state to try to change our electorate forever and to try to make the leftist socialist communists get into power so that they can uh, you know, eradicate our constitution and continue to sell us out to China and continue their globalist um, plans. You know, Bilderberg Group, CFR, their, their globalist agenda to make China be the global superpower and to diminish the United States. And so when you look at the policies of Barack Hussein Obama, that's exactly what he was doing. And he was doing it behind the scenes, but he was, he was diminishing our military. He was weakening our economy. He was selling out our jobs. He was making our economy a quote unquote service economy and taking away our ability to produce here at home. Our manufacturing sector was gutted in those eight years. Um, you can see that in, in tangibility if you look at Detroit and other places. So it, it's very scary, but most Americans were, uh, you know, not aware they were deceived by the mainstream corporate media. And that's why President Trump says the media is the enemy of the people because the mainstream corporate media is not really investigative journalists like we knew historically. They're not telling the American people the truth. They have a very propagandized false agenda. And unfortunately, many people have bought into their agenda and think that Barack Hussein Obama had this scandal, you know, free administration, that he was this great president, that he restored the economy. Well, that's nonsense. He doubled the debt. That's how he restored the economy. It was the weakest, most sluggish economic recovery in the history of our country. And none of the fundamentals that were, uh, you know, that happened in, in 2008 were changed to, to fix the economy. All he did was print, 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 QE1, QE2, QE3, you know, printed a ton of money and by the way, gave it to the elites. Those are the people that benefited by those money printing operations of the Fed. And so President Trump has been trying to, uh, you know, call out the Fed for what they are, um, trying to use the tools that Obama used, but use them for good. Um, to try to prop up the economy in this time while he's trying to work with CEOs, thousands of CEOs, to bring back jobs, to bring back manufacturing, and to restore the uh, once robust system that we had here in the United States. So it's, it's very scary, friends. Now, I'm out of time. I wish I could go into more of this. We'll go into it again in our next broadcast. But um, hopefully this informs some of you guys. And by the way, I know I'm going to probably get some hate letters when it comes to what I said about Israel. Just so you know, I'm a staunch supporter of Israel. I, I would love to see Benjamin Netanyahu continue to be president. I'm not, you know, what, what they would accuse me of as being a Zionist, but I do love the Israeli people. And if you're a Jewish listener, I love you. And you know, I'm not against you. I do believe in what the Bible says, the full Bible, including the New Testament. Um, but, you know, I get accused of being a Zionist or a Zionist light. And I understand there are different factions in Israel. And I understand it's a very complex situation and that not every Israeli is uh, nefarious or has a, you know, a, agenda. They're definitely not trying to take over the world. They're trying to survive. If you've been to Israel or seen the size of Israel, it's a tiny little nation amongst very hostile nations. And I think it's important that as Christians and as Americans that we support Israel and that we definitely don't align ourselves with the Muslims or the countries that are against Israel, because I think that's the wrong thing to do. So hopefully I've clarified my position, but I do understand some of the points of the Christians that are pointing out Zionism, but I think you need to be careful. And I think you could also look as if you are aligning with some of the 
uh, you know, theologies of Hitler. And definitely we as Christians should never be deceived into believing that because we, we, we don't ever want to see a repeat of history. And I do not believe the Jews are against, uh, you know, the Americans. I, I just don't believe that. I do not believe that the Jews are against, uh, you know, the Israelis are against America. I think that they would love to see a prosperous America. I think they're one of our staunchest allies. I think we need to be very careful. But again, there are, there are bad players in Israel, just like there are bad players here. In fact, a lot of American Jews are leftists and, you know, don't even support Israel. So that's kind of crazy and it's always boggled my mind. But um, there's there's so many different things that we have to understand. And so we need to look at this from a biblical worldview, not from any other lens and say, well, you know what? God has called us to love all people, including the Muslims, and to try to get them saved, set free, healed and delivered. Uh, we're not here to be hate mongers. In fact, that's the opposite of what true Christianity is. True Christianity is, you know, John 3, 16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believe in him shall not perish, but have life everlasting. I hope you agree with that. And if not, pray about what I said today. We love you. We bless you. We always love to hear your feedback. Thank you for tuning in to today's Remnant Godcast. God bless you.